from the creators of Relevant Magazine, this is The Relevant Podcast. believe you because we the people are still here in the rear yo we don't need you you ain't killing off good young mood when we get hungry we eat the same food the ramen noodle the simple voodoo is so maniacal reliable to pull the juju the irony is that this bad in my lap she don't tell me she make money she don't study that it's the week of Friday, January 30th, 2016, and this is The Relevant Podcast. I'm your host, Cameron Strang, and this end-of-the-year special best-of episode is brought to you by ZipRecruiter. A lot of people want to start fresh for a new year and might be looking for a new job, but if you're someone who's hiring, how do you find the best candidates? With ZipRecruiter.com, you can post your job to more than 100 top job sites, including social media networks like Facebook and Twitter, all with a single click. Plus, ZipRecruiter already has 9 million resumes you can search through in their database. ZipRecruiter is a search engine for finding and posting jobs. Right now, relevant podcast listeners can post jobs on ZipRecruiter for free by going to ZipRecruiter.com slash relevant. Find out why ZipRecruiter has been used by over 1 million businesses already. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash relevant. One more time, to try it for free, go to ZipRecruiter.com slash relevant. Like I said, I'm your host, Cameron, here with me in our Orlando studio for our best of edition, our illustrious producer, my brother, Chandler Strang. Hello. On the Skype line from, from Loverland, Virginia, joining us today is Jesse Carey. Hello, hello. We thought best of, we got to shed, you know, all the riffraff from the cast. <laughs> I um, mean, if we're going to live up to the name, we might as well have the best of the cast. <laughs> well, you're in for a special treat this week. Uh, what we like to do the last week of every year is look back at some of the highlights of what happened uh, over the previous 51 episodes of Relevant Podcast. Uh, we've been doing this show now for over 11 years, and um, every year, I, I gotta be honest, we think it's the best year, hopefully that's true. And But when we were putting this show together, uh, I, I was kind of blown away by the caliber of the guests we had throughout the years. It's crazy some of the conversations and uh, artists that have you know happened on this show. Yeah, I mean, you know, obviously we're going to hear a lot today. Well, I should say that for people that are, are tuning in, this is, you know, we're doing a little different in that we're we're featuring a lot of shorter bits of some of these great conversations, but even trying to like cull down uh, you know, this into one episode is like, man, there were, there's a lot to choose from this year. It, it was from the thing is like the, the spectrum was huge, not just, uh, you know, great music performances, but yeah, just some fascinating conversation with authors, actors, activists. It, it was a really fun year. I think uh, a fun game for the listeners would be to open up the iTunes feed or the archive over at our website and look at all 51 episodes where we list all the, you know, the, the guests that have been on the show and, and then compare that list to the ones that made our best of episode so they can see who we think wasn't good enough for this recap. Yeah, I and and those people we are permanently severing our relationship. 
they are they are dead to us from 2017. Hey, y'all can read between the lines. No, we're kidding. Everybody, we love everybody. <laughs> um, but yeah, let's kick things off. We're what we're gonna do is kind of uh, like Jesse said. If you've heard previous best of episodes, you know uh, there was kind of a, a familiarity to the format. Flush them from your memory. Yeah, this this week is a little different. <laughs> Jesse and I are gonna be uh, we're mixing it up a little bit, chopping it up a little bit. Uh, so you'll want to stay tuned. Uh, we're gonna have some of the live performances that happened in our studio. We're gonna have um, some of the uh, interviews, um, but you know, just short segments and stuff. This thing will keep moving, and let's kick it off. Back on our February nineteenth episode, uh, we had Lecrae on the show. He had uh, just released a new book called Unashamed, which told uh, his story, which is crazy. He appeared on the cover of Relevant around that time, um, and we. I mean, it was mind blowing. Some of the stuff he told us about his yeah. past and how kind of his journey. And then uh, out of nowhere, he drops a mixtape, Church Closed 3. Um, it was quite, it was the spring of Lecrae, I like to call it. I wrote it on my calendar. It was almost a year of Lecrae. He just recorded an ESPN theme song. I mean, he's, he's if anyone deserves to kick off a 2016 best, episode, best of episode, I feel like it's fair to say it's Lecrae. He's had a good year. We're renaming the podcast in 2017. It's Lecrae's world. We're all just living in it. <laughs> so, I, yeah, I'm, I'm excited. Excited about the rebranding. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's it just rolls right off the top. The bold choice. Yeah. <laughs> uh, in the clip you're about to hear, uh, Lecrae was talking to us about his political song "Freedom." He performed it on like Fallon, and uh, it was getting a lot of. Uh, buzz and even controversy. Uh, he also talked about the need to address important social issues, which he did a lot this year, even if it's uncomfortable for some audiences to hear. Here's Lecrae. I think you have to be a fool to not feel like um, there's not racial tension, there's not, um, you know, Islamophobia and all these type of phobias existing right now. And, um, and you know, um, I have a, a largely conservative fan base as well so it's almost like hey 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 hey, guys what is, what's happening right now so um let's let's talk about this and let's put this stuff out here and that was kind of artistically this sonically it was it was almost like me saying listen this has to be spoken about back in july i also got the opportunity to talk to chuck closerman who is one of my all-time favorite authors but this year i think he released my favorite of his books that's called but what if we're wrong uh i don't a lot of people may be familiar with uh closerman from his writing about pop culture and bands and he did some stuff for grantland but i think what stood out about this book and why we felt like this is the one where relevant needs to talk to chuck closerman is because he was tackling ideas that really had to do with like the nature of truth itself and how we come to believe what we believe one of the things he talks about in the book is this idea that sometimes we, we only listen to the perspectives and opinions that confirm our own biases and that can be really dangerous especially if we want to expand our thinking on some issues one thing that has changed in the 20 some years that i've been in journalism is this amplified distrust of objective reporting which when i started was the main goal of being a journalist was to try to go that that 
if you went into a story, maybe you had biases, but as a journalist, your job was to be aware of those biases and to compensate for them. And that even though it was impossible to be perfectly objective, the goal was to, to attempt to get close to that. Um, and that has completely shifted in my life. I mean, people don't even want that now. Like, it's not that they'd want it if it was available. They don't want it. They want information that basically supports their pre-existing biases. And uh, I, that, uh, I mean, that really increases the likelihood of being wrong about something big. If you sort of make the conscious or unconscious decision that the only information you want to receive, um, that the only people you want to follow on Facebook and Twitter, and that the only television channels you want to watch are ones that seem to back up how you already feel, it's going to galvanize every thought you have, uh, regardless of how inaccurate it may or may not be. I don't think that if you give people more information, their automatic reaction will be to take a more extreme, sort of less reasonable position. However, if somebody is prone to doing that, if someone is, is just inherently prone to having a very inflexible position, and now you give them a limited amount of data that can be used to augment and support that position, um, they will, uh, they won't be forced to sort of consider anything else. When we first started this podcast back in 2005, uh, we thought it was just going to be people talking at a table. And then uh, we had some artists come through our office. And instead of just interviewing them, we started to just toss out the idea of like, hey, could you play a song or bring a guitar with you? And uh, we started even recording those. And then we thought, well, we should put those things on the podcast. And we just kind of fell into the fact that um, artists then would start coming to our studio and recording exclusive stripped down acoustic versions of their music for us and has turned into one of my favorite things that we do. Um, to hear an, you know, an arena level artist like a, you know, a David Crowder or a Hillsong United in our tiny little s- studio, you know, reinterpreting their songs for this intimate format. Some of the music that we've been able to play over the last five, eight years has just been phenomenal. And this year, the artists that we had come through might have been the best yet. Flurry broke out this year. She came through our studio and was on our January 8th episode. The song was from her EP, Arrows, uh, which was out then, and then her album Love and War, which came out this year, we named one of our our favorite albums of the year. It was on the top 50 and on our top 10 albums countdown list. We're big Flurry fans. We're honored she came through. Here is Flurry performing Fire in My Bones. Fire in my bones, quakes, bending but it won't break. Staging a revolting, quiet as it's jolting. Singular in motion, fighting but I'm frozen. And shaking and it's shifting Falling as I'm lifting Air you breathe Start to see A bright light tunnel And a blue card floating at the end Summer melts into a snowscape Tell your heart to mend Wake me up and then speak Then speak 
power to protect me Don't let it affect me Spirals like a staircase Racing like a car chase Pulses push the limits Testing my resistance Cameras that capture Moments that enrapture Don't let go, no Just lie low A bright light tunnel And a blue kite floating at the end Into a snowscape, tell your heart to mend Wake me up and then speak, then speak A bright light tunnel and a blue kite Floating at the end Summer melts into a snowscape Tell your heart to mend Wake me up and then speak, then speak right if it feels right if it feels right it's probably wrong if it feels right if it feels right if it feels right it's probably wrong spinning out spinning out of control oh oh oh, oh. take it back give me something to Into a snowscape, tell your heart to mend Wake me up and then speak, then speak A bright light tunnel and a blue kite Floating at the end Summer melts into a snowscape Tell your heart to mend Wake me up and then speak, then speak Fire in my bones quake so, Cameron, I remember back early in the year, there was a song that, that dropped. I, it might actually be in 2015, but it, it, was, it was a huge song, and it sort of was like foreshadowing of what we, what we now recognize as maybe the top three out best albums of the entire year. I'm talking about oh, Kalak, Weight and Weight Gold. Gold. It was a, a genre-defying moment. I, I, I thought it was, a, it was a significant introduction to a new artist. And uh, Galan's album came out this year, Ology, and it didn't disappoint. It's almost like Weight in Gold set the expectations up too high for me personally. And, yeah. and the album still, with songs like Bourbon and others, it really delivered. He, he's a alt R&B artist with a soaring falsetto and guttural moments in his music. And, and, and he toured with like Sufjan Stevens and yeah. Elton John he performed with. It's just an eclectic, interesting music experience to hear Gallant. Definitely one of our favorite albums of the year. Uh, which you, if you listen to the top 50 countdown, you know, this is when he talked to us on our February 26th episode. He, he's talking about his beginnings as a musician and why he loves making music even when no one hears it. It wasn't even really a project. It was just, I was, I was bored. I'd be home from school and, you know, I wasn't, I, I felt like I was keeping a lot of stuff inside. And so the only way that I could really ex express it is to, was to just, you know, have a mic and, and write just whatever I wanted at the time. And they were horrible, horrible, awful songs. <laughs> it made me feel like I was 
you know, doing something and it made me feel happy to, to listen back to it, even though I didn't necessarily want to share it with anyone else. And so that to me felt like something. And um, it just kind of got awry and um, got out of hand and I just never stopped doing it. I don't mean to brag, but Gallant later in the year was on Fallon and it went viral. We had him on in February. I kind of feel like uh, Jimmy Fallon was copying us. I don't want to toot our own horn, but we were way ahead of the curve on that one. Well, Fallon did send us a direct message on Twitter that one time. So, <laughs> so we did. know, we know I, he follows the you, show closely. Cameron, I, I don't know how to tell you this, but they were catfishing us. They were trying to get to our server <laughs> to see what guests we had coming down the pipe because that's where they're getting their talent. I was catfished by Jimmy Fallon. I don't appreciate it. But you're welcome, world. You got Galan as a result. Uh, <laughs> one of the other, like, th- one of my favorite things that happened uh, this year was your conversation with Rob Bell, who I know he's a controversial figure among our listeners, but he has so many interesting things to say about men ministry and pastoring that I feel like a lot of people would benefit from hearing, even if they don't agree with all his theology. We talked for 45 minutes, an hour. It was a, I'm really interested in the backstory to things like, I'm. you know, you're making something that's interesting. I want to know your journey that got you to that point. Well, Rob Bell's had quite the journey over the last seven years. And in that conversation, he was very candid about uh, kind of that progression. And I, it was an honor to, to, for us to be able to air part of that interview. One of the moments that stood out to me aside from that was, you know, w- w- the way he views the sermon. You yeah. know, he was a, he was a local church pastor um, and, and then went off to LA to pursue TV. And now he does talks and he does Oprah shows and all this other stuff. Um, and to find out about his love for the sermon as, as an art form was, yeah. was fascinating. He, he had a book come out this year called how to be here, but we didn't really talk about that. Uh, you know, one of the things that we kept talking about was like his journey, uh, leaving, you know, his days at Mars Hill and what he's doing now and, and his passion for reclaiming the sermon as an art form. Yeah, it, it, it's interesting because what he's doing now may not be in a church, it, it, but you know, it's not that different than his role, which is exploring the different ways people can connect with a good sermon. Yeah. Like 25 years ago, I essentially stumbled into the sermon as an art form. Hmm. And I was like, oh, this is why I'm here. Like I could, I could be terrible at this, but I, would, I could give my life to this. So the sermon is an art form that needs to be reclaimed. And it's the original guerrilla theater, somewhere between a recovery movement, a TED talk, a uh, guerrilla theater performance art and a revival. I mean, this art form has been hijacked in our culture. Hmm. For many people, the the sermon is how you build bigger buildings. Hmm. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. (laughs) The sermon is what you do in order to get people to uh, give money to build something bigger. For other people, the sermon is a belief affirmation device. You just keep telling people what they've heard every Sunday their whole life, and then everybody feels good because we're in and everybody else isn't. But the sermon is about the sacred disruption. I mean, you think about Martin Luther King, I have a dream. Nobody heard that sermon. It was like, oh man, he was funnier last week. You know what I mean? Mm. That was an event. You were either there or you weren't. It was a vision of a new world. 
And so I set out to reclaim this art form. And I don't believe this art form should be confined to a particular building on a Sunday morning or evening. Um, I think it should compete with all other art forms. So that's what I've tried to do. So in some senses, I see what you're saying. They're, they're leaving the local church in some senses was I have to keep going and I have to keep announcing good news and the death and resurrection mystery built into the fabric of creation. And uh, I have to see how far you can take it. And it's just been unbelievably exciting. <laughs> All sons and daughters, I'm gonna. I'm just gonna tell you a little behind the scenes. Okay, let's hear it. We they came through our studio a few years ago. A few years ago, they came through. I mean, this is like when they were barely a band. Yeah, they were a couple of worship leaders from Nashville, and they came through our studio, and it was an amazing recording. You can watch the performances on our YouTube channel, and you know our our YouTube channel uh, of those performances, especially from that era, is is interesting. You have like the Hillsong United's at like 20 plus million views. And then there's another tier of like several million views. Um, not that, not as many as Hillsong, but several million. And you have like Gunger in that tier. Cause some of the stuff that they've done is unbelievable in our studio. And, all sons and daughters is right there. Yeah. And, 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 and uh, when they came through the studio this year, they pulled me aside. They're like, you know, we, we credit relevant to like the fact that we have a career <laughs> oh, wow. like because when they were first starting out, we recorded these songs with them and they took off and got them a fan base. And now they are one of the best and most successful worship bands touring today and still making amazing art. And we love them. We're fans. We were glad they came through. Uh, they were on our September 9th episode from the album Poets and Saints. Here's All Sons and Daughters uh, performing You Are Love and Love Alone. You 
big breakout movie stars this year uh who is going to who she's young and i think she's going to have a, a huge career she's already been in 12 years of slave star wars the jungle book and then this year queen of katwe was lufte nuongo and one thing that's really interesting about her career so far is that each of the roles that she has chosen sort of have these redemptive undertones or at least like a socially conscious undertone when you're talking about a movie like 12 years of slave and Queen of Katwe, which was one of her big movies, it still has like a 95% on Rotten Tomatoes that she put out this year, actually is about a Christian missionary. Back in October, we actually got to talk to her, um, not just about why she kind of gravitates towards those roles, but why, you know, her whole philosophy is that engaging with some of these big ideas that these films present can actually have a big impact on the world. I mean, I, I, I'm, I gravitate, I'm attracted to roles and stories that uh, are complex, that say something about, say something and teach me something new about the human spirit, um, then I do believe in redeeming social value potential. And, and I think um, I'm attracted to those, those kinds of stories. Because I do think that... Um, cinema and television, popular culture really is the way in which we, in this day and age, that's, that's the way in which we understand the world, that we interact with the world beyond um, our immediate surroundings. You know, it gives us a better understanding of the world we live in. And it's an opportunity, I think, to, 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 to have... In, to expand on the conversation and our understanding of the world we live in. Um, but really, uh, the things that I have gravitated to, I think, are, are things that have moved me deeply and I feel an impetus to participate in. And, you know, it goes from, 
eclipse to even the Jungle Book or even Star Wars, you know. They're all, in one form or another, have offered me a unique opportunity and I I see their value um, to me and to what I hope is my audience. Uh, back in March, we had a really cool performance uh, uh, from a band that that has, you know, they're really known for like their energetic live performances and their really kind of passionate live performances because at their core, they are like a folk band. I mean, a lot of stuff they do is already has this kind of unplugged campfire vibe to it. Back in March, Ren Collective came by and they played Joy of the Lord from their album as family, we it's go. The, uh, this was on the March 18th episode, a little, a little behind the scenes on what happened March 18th other than this phenomenal performance by Rent Collective. March 18th, that's my birthday week. That was the day Jesse and I flew back from South by Southwest. Oh, yeah. And I flew back to make the Orlando Magic Cleveland Cavaliers game, made it just in time, and the Orlando Magic gave me a, a custom jersey as a birthday present. Is it is it a Strang jersey or it's is it a, a Strang player? jersey with oh, wow. the, my age on it? The number is the my birthday <laughs> number. And and as I'm driving home from that game, a phenomenal evening, incredible birthday week, I'm listening to this song, Ren Collective, on our podcast. Capped off one of the best weeks of my life. Uh, Ren Collective, doing joy, joy of the Lord. Tears may fall, my song will rise, my song will rise to you. Though my heart may fail, my song will rise, my song will rise to you. While there's breath in my lungs, I will praise you, Lord. In the dead of night, I'll lift my eyes, I'll lift my eyes to you. Though the waters rise, I'll lift my eyes, I'll lift my eyes to you. While there's hope in this heart, I will praise you, Lord. You are my hope, then joy of the Lord is my strength. Then joy of the Lord is my strength. In the darkness, I'll dance, in the shadows, I'll sing. my eyes let faith arise to you when i cannot feel your hand in mine let faith arise to you god of mercy and love i will praise you lord how you shine with glory lord and light i feel alive with you in your presence now i come alive i am alive with you there is strength when i my strength when all else fails 
When sorrow comes my way You are the shield around me Always you remain My courage in the fight I hear you call my name Jesus, I am coming Walking on the waves Reaching for your light The joy of the Lord is my strength The joy of the Lord is my strength In the darkness I'll dance In the shadows I'll sing The joy of the Lord is my strength Oh, oh. the joy of the Lord is my strength Come on! The joy of the Lord is my strength Another another fun fact about the song you just heard uh, that aired on March 18th. It was uh, Chandler's first week yeah. editing the show. Yeah. Cameron, real quick, just on the subject of that jersey, every time I think about you having a custom Magic jersey, it really makes me sad that you haven't snuck into a game and checked in yet with it. <laughs> you know what? I'm, I'm trying to get in shape, so it could be somewhat plausible, plausible. that the 5'11 yeah. guy who's out there suited up. Um, oh, he's one of those like spark plug undersized yeah. point guards. Right. You're slapping the floor. Yeah, yeah, doing, yeah. yeah, you're a hustle guy. You're a heart I'm and hustle a heart guy. hustle guy. So I got to be like really athletic looking to be able to pull, pull that off. <laughs> I, I think it was more likely that I would just don a suit and a clipboard and sidle up during a timeout and try to be a coach. Well, it, it, it starts with that. But 2017, you got to have goals. And, yeah. uh, you know, and, and I feel, I have a, I'm hopeful that on the best of 2017 episode, we will talk about the time you got banned from the Orlando Magic <laughs> Stadium for life. And, and ironically, <laughs> Rent Collective will somehow be associated with that moment too, probably. So, <laughs> yeah. uh, Well, uh, speaking of back in January. Um, Who said back in January? I, We're talking about March. I, I had to figure out a transition. How am I supposed to transition from Joseph Fines to you sneaking to Orlando Magic game in 2017? It would have been flawless. No one would have noticed that we never mentioned you. <laughs> Early in the year, Joseph Fines, who's like an Academy Award winning actor, you can hear it in his voice. He has this like really prestigious British accent that makes you feel like really dumb talking to him. Yeah, but so does the so Allstate guy. I mean, he's not in a, he has the voice, but he's not going to win awards. Yeah, but Joseph Fine's dead. I mean, he's yeah, he a did. he's a, like I said, an Academy Award winning actor, um, and he was in a movie early in the year where uh, he actually played a Roman centurion that was investigating the resurrection of Christ. Which uh, again, another interesting role, which is you, you know, which is why we wanted to talk to him because Joseph Fine's, as he said in the interview, he doesn't even consider himself uh, that religious. But what's interesting about him is a guy who isn't religious. He's played missionary Eric. Liddell in movies. He's played Martin Luther and then this Ro Roman soldier Clavius in Risen. So we got a chance to sit down and talk to him and ask him why he is someone who doesn't consider himself religious but still gravitates towards these roles playing super religious characters. What I loved about that portrayal and, and Eric Liddell as you mentioned and Martin Luther 
who brought the Reformation into the church maybe a hundred years before it was due. And even to a degree, Clavius is a non-believer, is that they have a code, they have um, a belief, um, and they, whether they change their beliefs, but their beliefs ultimately are, are positive and um, their self-examination is full of self-evolution. And they have a principle and a morality. And I think in life, whenever we we raise the bar, as these amazing characters, um, are real or not, we have done, uh, we get challenged immediately. I think there's a sort of outer force that goes, okay, you want to raise the bar? Well, how about this? So the struggle ensues and, and they go on a journey. And um, it's all about weathering that storm. And I think that's what draws me to these characters, is that, that they are many ways, they're, they're rocks in which I, I look up to. Speaking of January, in our July 15th episode. <laughs> it's weird. We were just talking about January. Continue. That was very smooth. I'm engaged. Uh, we had Lisa Sharon Harper on the show. Uh, she wrote a, a book called The Very Good Gospel, which discusses uh, racial injustice and why we're called to help fight it. Uh, it was an amazing interview. Um, oh, this man. year, obviously, we've had a number of guests on to talk about the issue of racial injustice in the church and, and, and all that. Obviously, 2016 is one of the defining issues that our country grappled with, and this show did too. Lisa brought a powerful perspective to the conversation. She explains how reexamining the creation narrative can actually help us understand the gospel in new ways, focusing not just on freedom from sin, but actually restoring broken relationships. What I've come to understand is that the very goodness of the gospel is really wrapped up in the biblical concept of shalom. God's uh, creation having been created in relationship with each other, all parts of creation were created in interconnected relationship and that those relationships are what God declared very good at the end of the sixth day. God said, Tov me'od. This is Tov me'od. And Tov me'od, actually, the, the Tov is, is goodness. And the Hebrews understood the goodness, that, that kind of goodness, to experience, to uh, be located between things, not in the thing itself. And the very is like forcefully good, um, overwhelmingly good, abundantly good, crazy, crazy good, <laughs> right? So... It's that. That is how we were created. That is what we were created for. Audrey Assad is a singer-songwriter uh, based in Nashville and has been a friend of the show over the years. Uh, she came on our March 25th episode to perform some songs from her new album called Inheritance. Uh, it was an awesome session. Here's Audrey Assad performing Even Unto Death.
darkest hour In humiliation I will wait for you I am not forsaken Though I lose my life Though my breath be taken I will wait for you I am not forsaken Jesus, the very thought of you Ooh. Jesus, the very thought of you Ooh. Cameron, I got a, a, a 2016 fun fact for you. Oh, yeah. There were two big book releases in 2016. <laughs> I know where you're going. Uh, and both of them had the same name, and they're both really good books. That's a thing. No, and when there's two books came out in 2016 <laughs> that had the same name, they came out oh. almost at the same time and definitely <laughs> in the same like genre and category and type of bookstore. And, uh, and the cover art, bookstore. Fe- both featured the same thing, a prominent yeah. fo- uh, like picture of the author looking straight ahead with a yeah. book title, which was unashamed in big colorful text unashamed. Right on the uh, lecrae was one of them <laughs> yep. and our our good friend christine kane also came out with a book called unashamed this year very different book uh same name yeah. very different books so yeah make sure you know which one you're reading <laughs> yeah and it, we and we actually <laughs> yeah it would be confusing otherwise but we actually had a really great conversation with with christine too who you know Every time I hear someone who has thought as deeply as someone like Christine Kane or like we're talking about Lisa Sharon Harper about a topic like injustice or in Christine Kane's case, the idea of shame and its spiritual roots, I, I mean, it, it was really enlightening. What uh, One of my favorite interviews of the year from the perspective of walking away being like, man, I really learned something. She talked about why it is such a pervasive problem and how we can fight against it. 
Adam and Eve were fine. They were created in the image of God. They the, All they knew was God in the garden. They had the perfect father. They had the perfect relationship. And still the enemy got in in Genesis 3 and caused them to hide from God, to okay. not feel good enough and to feel fear. So it is the number one thing the enemy has used from Genesis. And, it, and Jesus died to shame, shame, um, obviously, at the cross. And we fight now from a place of victory, but the reality is we live in a fallen world. So the devil still does what he did in the Garden of Eden, which is try to heap shame on us, to make us doubt what God has said about us. Like, did God really say? He's still saying the same thing today. Did God really say that? And um, he still wants us to hide from God and not to feel confident in who God has called us to be. And he'll often use the people closest to us um, or media or just our own voice in our own head telling us we are fundamentally unworthy and not good enough. Christine, uh, you know, if you know her story, uh, came to faith and and uh, started ministry through Hillsong Church in Sydney. Uh, that was why she had an accent. And uh, speaking of Hillsong, see, now that's a segue, Jesse. Uh, Hillsong <laughs> had a movie come out this year about them. Uh, it was called Let Hope Rise, and it was several years in the making. Um, a, you know, at first blush, you would kind of say, well, why, you know, what kind of hubris that they would make a movie about themselves? And well, the reality is they didn't. A uh, producer and a filmmaker approached them and said, we would love to just follow you guys and do a documentary and tell your story and tell the heart of the church. And um, Brian Houston and Bobby and, and, and the, the group, they all said, why would anybody want to watch a movie about us? And, but said, okay, you know, I mean, maybe something God will use. And so they agreed to do it and it came out this year. Back on our August 12th episode, I actually was in New York for the screening of the, sh- of the movie and sat down with uh, Joel Houston, um, well, all the, all the band members of Hillsong United and his parents, the founders of the church, uh, Bobby and Brian Houston. I, you know, I've been friends with Joel. We've done fantasy basketball and that kind of stuff over the years. And it was, I didn't know what to expect. You know, I was pretty, pretty hesitant to be honest with you, because if you're friends with somebody and it's cheesy and bad, I'm not, I don't have the personality to fake it very well. Like, Oh, that was awesome, brother. Like if like a friend shows up to a party with a fedora, you're not going to be like, oh, <laughs> no. that's, that's, that's cool. No. That's interesting. Like, <laughs> I would I literally be like, you got to go home and change. You know, like, like, sorry. He's like, no, I can just take the hat off. I'm like, no, literally you have to go home and actually just change as punishment for wearing that hat. Um, yeah, you need to rethink a lot of things in your life. Yeah. yeah, exactly. No, that's me as a friend. That's why I don't have many friends. Yeah. And so I was nervous seeing this because like, oh, no. Well, the reality is the director who did it um, is a, uh, not a Christian. So it had this outsider's perspective, which made it not a puff piece. Uh, he also was the director of the Jay-Z documentary and Nicki Minaj and so many others that were actually really powerful and well done. And so it's part documentary, part worship concert, and uh, they call it a theatrical music or worship experience. And it really delivered on that. And, and so we were talking, you know, about the film after we had just seen it. And, and this is Joel talking about how the film was an opportunity to challenge stereotypes and point people toward deeper truths. One of the things that I thought was an intriguing opportunity is because there's just so many stereotypes, like we, like everybody stereotypes everything. And, uh, and perspective is like, it's, a personal thing wherever you see it, you look at it and you, you see what you see and, and yet the whole premise of what we're trying to do is to kind of 
break through all of that because that's that's what Jesus did. You know, he actually he didn't bend to one or the other. He became a different a different worldview. You know, and I think the opportunity there is the only way people can see that is if we're able to like it's a movie. People are watching images of something that is you can, can't be described. You know, in, in a, a song or a dance, and it's, it comes back to everything we do. You know, like we know what we do on stage. It's about is this like we have to draw attention to ourselves for a moment, just try and draw to people's attention to, to who God is or who Jesus is. The best way you can do that is by just opening up. You know, and like removing the layers. So for every single you know flashbang light thing that could be a distraction, there has to be a moment where you you, you bring it back. You make it personal for somebody. And the best way to make it personal is to be personal yourself. Mm-hmm. This is why we sing. This is why we write these songs. This is why we mm-hmm. tour. This is why we, we leave our families behind. This is why we do this. Because God's changed our life. Like, and I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for, for God's grace through Jesus Christ. I don't deserve to be here. And I'm not going to give up the platform or try and make it about me as long as it's in front of me. Because I know that it's, it's not mine in the first place. And I know that that can just sound like just whatever but it's real for us back when we went to south by southwest earlier this year one of the bands i get to interview and kind of check out in preparation was a group called run river north and i wasn't super familiar with them before that but man they are such a cool like indie pop band that uh you know doesn't do like the kind of a lot of singer songwriter stuff but really does this big atmospheric cool sound so i was interested to see how it would translate when we found out that they're coming through the studio back in april uh, but what i think they produced was one of my favorite uh performances of the year just because it sounds so different than a lot of the stuff that happens in a stripped down setting they they brought a lot of different elements to the table uh when they performed 29 from the album drinking from the salt pond Grow where the ground's all right Die old in the middle of the night Roots of my hands to reach Cut me down where the water meets the sea And my eyes were the first to find Twenty-nine in the middle of the night Words in my head to see Keep me up until the body disagrees 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 Your words are cold like the wind They hold no weight around me Let go, you take Grow where the crown's alright Die old in the middle of the night Words in my head to sleep Keep me up until the body disagrees Keep me up until the body disagrees Your words are cold like the wind They hold no weight around me Let go, you're telling me to let 
his home I know it hurts I know I'll end up at the bottom of your dirt What if I leave, never become What if the sea leads me straight to the sun I know his home, I know it hurts I know I'll end up at the bottom of your dirt What if I leave, never become What if the sea leads me straight to the sun I would think drinking from a salt pond would be a disgusting experience. I'm just <laughs> the, the song. The song it doesn't is sound pleasant. Yeah, but the song was pleasant. Yeah, so, I, the, the, the the irony there. It's like doing. It's like uh, it's like that. I, they're doing the same thing that Third Eye Blind did with that doot 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 song. It's like a mm-hmm. happy peppy song, but it was really about suicide and sad things. Yeah, meth addiction. So right. So this, I, you know, I, I haven't peeled back too many of the layers in that live performance, and I'm honestly, I'm a little afraid to because drinking from the salt to, pond. You know, you would yeah. think that would be a just terrible, terrible thing, <laughs> but they did a good song about a terrible thing. Well, the irony. Hey, Cameron, I'll tell you something that's not terrible. <laughs> Actor David Oyelowo. <laughs> that's a good. That, that's a pro level segue right there. Oh, I mean, that's you know, I I had that one scripted. Um, he has an uh, he has an Oscar nominee worthy voice. Oh, absolutely, and I and he's yeah, an Oscar nominee you know worthy everything career. Um, and uh, if you're familiar with him, again, he's he is not just a, a great actor who's chosen a lot of uh, uh, roles that have these kind of redemptive elements to him, but he's also a super vocal Christian. And we got the chance to sit down and talk to him about you know how his faith informs the roles he chooses, and also why he thinks that he's called to make these kind of move movies because they can impact culture with really redemptive themes. I hope that, you know, when, when all is said and done with my career, the uh, uh, what will be said is not that I only did films of, a, of any certain kind, um, but the truth is that I do gravitate towards films that I personally would want to see, uh, films that I hope have something to say and are meaningful. And so, therefore... Those can um, be categorized as um, films that are uh, redemptive, that um, are life-affirming, and of course reflect my faith as a Christian, my ethos as a husband and a father. And so, you know, Queen of Cartway, as it pertains to that, I I, I was really drawn (laughs) to this character that I get to play in the film of Robert Katende, who truly is a self-sacrificing individual, which, you know, as, as it pertains to uh, the Christian faith, is all, all, obviously the, the central 
tenet of of what we believe, certainly what I believe. Um, and this this man doesn't just talk about it; he actually he does it. You know, he is a he he works for a sports ministry out in Uganda, and um, you know that their his role, he believes, his calling is to give these kids hope is to give them self-esteem by giving them love and chess is one of the means by which he does that and uh, you know i find him to be an incredibly inspiring individual in real life so playing him was something i really wanted to do when we looked at the stats of downloads this year uh two episodes uh were at the top very top and one of those two was this next one uh, with Shauna Nequist. Shauna is a longtime friend of the show and was actually a cast member for several years. And um, my life has been deeply impacted by her friendship. And she released a book this year called Present Over Perfect, which has been what her life has been you know, about since I've known her, she, um, at the, at the beginning of our friendship, we were both at a transition point in life and, um, she was transitioning from go, 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 go achieve, say yes, do all, you know, make it, you got to hustle. That's when I met her and we both were, uh, impacted by a guy named Bob Goff who challenged us to maybe embrace a different approach to life. And Shauna took it to heart. And I watched her as she deliberately and intentionally uh, started to change her priorities and change how she lived. And the outgrowth of that process for her is this book, Present or Perfect. Uh, We visited her up in uh, Chicago when we were up there for Lollapalooza. And um, when we did that a couple of years ago, we went to lunch with her and recorded the conversation. And it was so fun. We thought, let's do that again. Uh, Shauna, you picked the restaurant and she took us to a takeout burger joint. So we couldn't <laughs> record anything there because the tables were picnic tables outside. So we thought, okay, well, you know, it was great just catching up, having lunch and eating, but we weren't able to record. Let's go somewhere quieter. Oh, there's a coffee shop down the block. Let's go down there. Of course, it's packed. Of course, we can't record in there. Well, now we're running out of time. We need to record an interview. What, what do we do? So we found a park. And so we go sit in the park. It's Chicago. So it's windy. And it was under the L train. So we had this hour long conversation <laughs> with Shauna. And every minute and a half, we would have to all just stop let the train pass, <laughs> quietly stare at each other, and then resume as soon as a, a train went on. It was, Kimmer, can I just say this? It wasn't perfect. But we were present, and that's <laughs> all that we mattered, were, Jesse. We were, present, yeah. we were present with her, and that's always better than being perfect. That's um, right. She talked to, to us about the importance of understanding the idea of Sabbath and rest, and um, rest in an era of constant noise and distraction, like an L train over your head. Here's Shauna. <laughs> I think you're working while you're home, while you're with your kids, while you're with your family, and that stuff gets all jumbled up. And so that means there aren't automatic answers for what rest looks like or what Sabbath looks like because you could be, Jesse, you could be completely present and connected and totally, wholly there with your kids. Or you could be a million miles away thinking about work stuff and to the outside viewer, it looks the same. So it's a lot more about training our own kind of impulses and habits because for you it's not like well I'm home I'm here because you work at home and I work at home and you know um, it's about a deeper sense of holding yourself accountable to live according to your values even though it might look uh, different than it did 75 years ago or something 
We've covered a lot of highlights so far. Mm-hmm. A lot, a lot mm-hmm. of highlights. I, I'd say yeah. some of my favorite moments you've you've heard. Yep. Uh, there's a cast member not on right now <laughs> named Eddie Koffeltz. <laughs> if you've listened to the show, he's been on for three and a half years now at this point. If you've listened to the show, you might know that there are a few. He has a few quirks, a few loves, uh, <laughs> passionate loves, passions uh, in life. Um, um, show tunes. Uh, I would say obsessions. I would yeah. say restraining, restraining order level obsessions. D- Dave Matthews Band <laughs> is one of those, and DC Talk would be among the uh, Mount Rushmore of Eddie. Koffeltz's mm-hmm. interests and passions. Um, we decided to make it our mission to get DC Talk reunited and that Eddie would be at the centerpiece <laughs> of that. Um, Toby said no to our efforts. but Well, that is until we called up a cruise line. <laughs> And pulled some strings. No, I, I, I got a lot of friends in the cruise industry, believe yeah. it or not. It's, but, it's, uh, this isn't related to that. It's but. not true that uh, Toby said no, FYI. But anyway, but uh, the closest we got to reuniting DC Talk was actually um, uh, reaching out to Kevin Max. And Kevin uh, was a, a great sport. He actually had a new album come out this year. And so we we're like, okay, you have a new album come out. Um, and uh, Eddie wants to talk to you about a lot of things. So why don't you come down? And so he flew down spent the day with us. Um, no lie. Eddie uh, interviewed him for two and a half hours. That's mm-hmm. not an exaggeration. Yeah, it was super long. And I mean, literally, I, I mean, I've never, I was in the room. I've never heard. I mean, and he, this is like a lifetime's worth of questions that Eddie had for Kevin Max. <laughs> <laughs> and poor Kevin sat there and answered them graciously. Um, and we ran a very small portion of that interview on the podcast. Can I just say, Cameron, that afterward, they were both visibly, like, physically, emotionally, and very spiritually drained and exhausted. <laughs> and Kevin Max took an IV after that. That's true. It was very exhausting. Uh, but Kevin performed a few songs from his new album that came out this year. Uh, the album's called Playing Games with the Shadow. Uh, here is Kevin Max performing Skin of Our Teeth.
highlights in general of 2016. I'm not just talking podcasts here. I'm talking the whole year was a, a, a night that we had, uh, you know, there wasn't any shows that we wanted to see that evening in South by Southwest, but you found out about a comedy showcase going going on in downtown Austin where, you know, Hannibal Burris was going to be headlining. So, no, no, you know, we thought- Judd, Judd Apatow uh, was putting it together. So Judd, they had screened the, the Judd Apatow movie, uh, the new Pee Wee's Big Adventure movie yeah. uh, that, that Netflix was releasing. They did a screening of that and then after the screening uh, got announced that Judd Apatow was going to do a stand-up comedy night and invite some of his friends. And Hannibal uh, was going to be on part of it, Rob Clyde, some other ones. And then this next guest. Yeah, it was one of the best surprises and most fun I've had at any kind of concert or venue. We got to see comedian Nate Bargatze perform live, and that was sort of our introduction to his comedy. But since then, I think Nate's been on, since we last saw him, he's been on The Tonight Show like two more times. He's he's uh. pretty much a regular on there. Um, and when we found out that he was coming through Orlando, we thought, this is a dude that we have to have on. Because, you know, one thing we start when we, Cameron and I started listening to his comedy, you're like, you know, he's clean. And, well, and you know... And- Listen, we had just seen Judd Apatow, Hannibal Burris, and Rob Klein. Uh, the fact that a a clean comedian came out, it was like startlingly welcome. You know what I mean? It was yeah. It yeah. was the palate cleanser on a yeah. ten course meal. <laughs> yeah. So we found out that Nate is 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 a Christian. He's not a quote unquote Christian comedian, but he's a really funny guy. We he had to come by the studio. We had a long, really interesting, really funny conversation. Uh, but uh, along with kind of hearing about some of his backstory, we also learned about some of the the challenges of being a comedian. Like when you're performing on a late night show, like let's say like Conan O'Brien, and you flub a joke, and uh, what do you do when the the get when the host comes out to greet you afterwards i messed up a joke uh on an on a late night on conan when he was in new york and i messed it up like very briefly but like when you mess something up like when you get off stage you're very like you just want to talk you want to tell someone whatever happened like if the crowd's good if the crowd's bad if you mess something up so anybody that walks up you'll be like you say it doesn't matter and I remember he walked over and he was like, that was a really good job. And I was like, I messed that joke up. I don't know if that's going to be a problem. <laughs> and he just was like, what? And he's like, neighbor gets it. Like, he's like, why does he care? He's like, the last person I should tell. Yeah, the number one person. Don't yeah, tell don't you. Don't tell, yeah. yeah, just act like everything went. Yeah, he thinks it went great. So just say, yeah, it went great.
I do do yourself a favor and go over to iTunes or Apple Music or whatever and and get Nate's comedy albums. His his latest okay. album is called Full Time Magic and it's great. Uh, I I will say being in the room with Nate Bargatze and Jesse Jesse was in the studio for that August twenty sixth uh, interview. I, it was like when I was in the room watching Eddie interview <laughs> Kevin Max. <laughs> it was like Jesse's obsession with comedians um, is fascinating and hilarious to me, but he turns into just it's a combination of like an, a 10 year old kid around you know professional athletes combined with like a student and a mentor and like it's just this it's hilarious and Jesse was very excited to talk to Nate and it was funny to be in the room with him but there you go yeah it, it was definitely a highlight yeah well, another long-term friend of ours is Philip LaRue. He and his wife, Leah, have a group called Us and Our Daughters, and they've performed on the podcast a few times over the years. Phenomenal artists. Uh, Philip's a songwriter and an artist based out of Nashville. He has a new solo album come out this year called You, and he came through on February 5th and performed uh, the song Carry You. Here's Philip LaRue. You cannot see but you're inches away from the edge The canyons will call but don't you dare listen to them The earth it may quake and your heart may break but no I am where I stand and I will not let you go Cause I will carry you, carry you, carry you away from it all I won't let you fall Cause I will lift you up, lift you up, lift you up into the light Don't close your eyes Till the morning And let it all begin Let it all begin The wind's on your back A sonnet above your soul There's so much of you That you still need to know The rain, it is falling like a river sweet I'm hoping the current will lead you right back to me mm, Cause I will carry you, carry you, carry you away from it all I won't let you fall Cause I will lift you up, lift you up, lift you up into the light Don't close your eyes till the morning And let it all begin Let it all begin Let it all begin Is I will carry you, carry you, carry you away from it all. 
I won't let you fall Cause I will lift you up, lift you up, lift you up into the light Don't close your eyes till the morning And let it all begin Let it all begin Let it all begin A few months ago, they announced that Garrison Keillor was no longer going to host his longtime, you know, NPR radio show, Prairie Home Companion. It's sort of this like variety comedy show that has been airing on public radio for like 50 years. And the guy that they chose to replace him uh, is familiar, I feel like, probably to a lot of our audience, Chris Thiele. He was the leader of the band's Punch Brothers and Nickel Creek. And, you know, he to clarify, committed to clarify to- that's Nickel Creek. Uh, not yes, yeah, not yes, not Nickelback. Yeah, right. You know, uh, initially yeah. they had asked the guys. Yeah, some people get that confused. No, the guy, no, Chad yeah. Kroger is not hosting a Prairie Home Companion. <laughs> it's Chris. Thiele. No, I'll be honest. I would totally listen <laughs> to that. <laughs> I would totally listen to that. Uh, so uh, yeah, but but he is a guy. Uh, he may not be uh, instituting the same kind of uh, changes that uh, uh, you know Chad Kroger would. They're not like serving Jaeger and Red Bull when you walk in the the old theaters now. But he is changing the tone of the show. He, uh, he's, you know, he said he wants to have Radiohead on there. He wants to have Anderson Pac. He's already had like the Shins and Jack White. So he's taking this old school NPR institution and bringing it uh, and, and changing it to something that I think a lot of people in our audience would actually dig. Uh, back in October, just before it was like the week before he did, he kicked off his show. We got a chance to talk to him, and not just about some of the, the music that he's introducing, but some of the spiritual aspects of Prairie Home Companion. Uh, and he talked about. Why a show like that has a church like role in the lives of a lot of the people who listen to it? I think the show that Garrison created, I think Prime Companion itself has a church like role to a certain extent. It, it, it comes on from five to seven on Saturday evenings, it has always been geared towards, towards families uh, as a whole. And there's this communal aspect, the seasonal aspect of things. This is what it's like to be alive right now. There are issues that we're all dealing with. We're, you know, here in America, we're all, you know, we're just enveloped in, in this, this very intense election. Um, and we, we both want to talk about it and want to escape from it. Yeah. And I think that a show like Prairie Home Companion is uniquely situated to be of service in times like that. When you look back at 2016, there's going to be a couple of things. I'm talking like 10, 20 years from now. There's going to be a couple of things that probably stick out. Um, Some of the stuff that Lecrae and Lisa Sharon Harper were talking about will probably be one of those things. The other, there was an election. And we at Relevant have had an arm's length relationship with politics over the years. We're we, we just, um, it's divisive. We're not partisan. We believe what we believe based on what the Bible's saying. And I believe that both parties are right and wrong on biblical issues. And so how can you be all on one side or the other and lob grenades at the other side? We just feel like, you know, building understanding and building bridges and working toward the common good would be better, a better approach to politics. Well, that's not reality. And so we just kind of stay out of the conversation and try to stay out of the fray, right? One of the people who has impacted me in my own 
engagement and view of politics has been Pastor Rick Warren. He, a long time ago, wrote a book called A Purpose Driven Life, and he is one of the wisest and uh, most thoughtful leaders we have in the church today. And we had him on the show on our August 19th episode to discuss the importance of engaging culture, even in a divisive political climate. He, he talks about why true change won't come from politics, um, that you know we should not worry as much about politics because true change isn't gonna come from politics. It's gonna come from Christians engaging with art and culture. Here's Rick Warren. We should be known for our love and our, uh, and our diligence and our, our respectfulness uh, more than we should be known for our political opinions. My problem is that I don't want the gospel to get co-opted by a view. For instance, if, if a woman comes onto my church campus, our church campus, and, uh, and the first thing she sees is a uh, anti-abortion um, uh, uh, table, okay? Uh, and she's had an abortion before she even gets in, in into the building. She's already turned off and turned around and left. And so uh, the, the good news is not a political statement. The good news uh, is a salvation statement. And I just don't want that to get co-opted. So the important thing in this season is have your views, but say them respectfully and certainly desire that you would be more known for your your lifestyle, your Jesus lifestyle uh, and and the message of grace than to be known for what you believe about trade or what you believe about immigration or what you believe about things, I think. You know who someone else is that's had a really big year? Um, Snoop Dogg? Snoop Dogg was huge, and he rejected all of my invitations to come on the show. But uh, <laughs> regrettably, fingers crossed, 2017. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, I am talking. A lot of people actually get these two confused. It's not Soup Dog, but they, you know, sometimes it, the mistakes happen. Lauren Daigle, the, the oh, singer. Yeah. <laughs> this was Lo- the year of Lauren Daigle. My goodness. Her album was every, it, it was not just start topping like, you know, like Christian, because she's a worship artist. She wasn't just top, topping like, you know, gospel charts. She was like on the bill, Billboard Top 100. She wow. she was like a break. She had a breakout year this year. Yeah. I, again, like all sons and daughters, take full credit for her success and hard work because uh, very early before her album came out, we heard a couple of her songs and said, this is, this is going to be one. This is going to be an artist that, that, that we would cover and we were are yeah. excited about. Uh, we don't cover a lot of artists that, that work in that Christian radio world. You know, I mean, they're few and far between where they can cross over to the relevant audience. And uh, we heard Lauren early on and was like, wow, you know, blown away by her and uh, covered her and done, you know, features with her, had her on the show this year on our September 16th episode. She came into the studio and blew everyone away from her album. How can it be? She performed the title track. How can it be? Here's Lauren Daigle. the Holy One 
And she's a super nice person. That's the thing. Yeah. Like, yeah, totally cool. I mean, made sure to talk to everybody, smile on her face, just glad to be here, honored to be here. Like just one of those people that like, 
you know, we, we know a lot of artists and people behind the scenes and she's one of those people that is so sincere and kind and humble and just joyful. Like you root for these people. Like we want the good people to make it, you know what I mean? And Lauren's one yeah. of those that she's just, um, she's the real deal. So I think she would get along with Snoop Dogg actually. Yeah. <laughs> and when I think real deal, I think Snoop cause I mean, I think they could get, I think they could be friends because she could be friends with anyone. She's that kind of person. That's true. That's absolutely true. Yeah. <laughs> like you were saying earlier, Cameron, this was a year that, uh, you know, a lot of heavy stuff happened. And one of the cool things about our platform is we get to hear from such a variety of voices, um, that can speak out and speak with an interesting perspective, uh, and, and a perspective that is really intimate with the knowledge of things like racial injustice and, 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 and violence. And that is actually trying to do something to enact change. Back in uh, September, we had uh, rapper Derek Minor come on the show, who's not just a, a great artist. His, his latest album, Reflection, uh, came out not too long ago killer album but when you listen to it you notice that a lot of the themes he's directly addressing uh not just some of his own um you know ideas about spirituality and and faith and and growing uh your faith but also how we need to engage issues uh like racial injustice and you know p- p- police violence and the black lives matter movement we had him in the studio um and he he talked uh you know really bluntly and really openly and you know he got emotional about what the church can do on a practical level and needs to do on a practical level to adjust inequality in the country I believe if the church puts his mind to it, we'll begin to see a dent in, um, dent in, you know, some of these racial inequality issues. And I feel like if we were to fight for that, we'll see change. But I think some of it is just having, one, having tangible goals. To be fearless amongst your congregation, you probably, if you go to an all-white church or all-black church, or if you go to a mixed church, you probably have some racists in your church. Mm-hmm. You have to be okay with if one of those racists are huge donors. Like, hey, they they pay a lot of money to your church. You have to be okay with offending them mm-hmm. because you're not doing them a service by not offending them. Yeah. Like the gospel. Like for the racists, they need the gospel too to mm-hmm. penetrate their heart. I don't want to see racist people killed or murdered. I want to see them rocked by the gospel of Jesus mm-hmm. to where they say, man, one day, man, I just, I didn't like anyone that didn't look like me. But today, God has rocked my heart and my soul. And I love everyone. And mm-hmm. I don't know everything, but I'm fighting for the cause. I want to see those types of testimonies. That can't happen in your churches if you're scared, mm-hmm. if you're being a coward, if you're holding it back, if you're holding it back. Yeah. And, you know, if if you knew in your church there were people that struggled with, you know, pornography or tons of different things like that, yeah. you would get on there. You would rally against it regardless of, of what happens yeah. and I think with race. Don't be a coward. Show right after show, show, right after show. You've been all alone, you've been all alone. So I can't wait to get home, yeah. even when I'm not around. Yeah. Anchor, yeah, she hold me down. Yeah. I be always out of town, yeah. but you ain't got nothing to worry.
On our December 9th episode, uh, which wasn't too long ago, if you haven't heard it yet, catch up. Uh, Ellie Holcomb joined us. She has a new album coming out in January. So this is a little foreshadowing. Yeah. Um, the album's called Red Sea Road, and she previewed a few of the songs for us. Um, what's funny is after we aired this on December 9th, uh, I saw on Twitter a number of podcast listeners tweeting at Ellie, like asking, where can I get that song you did on the Relevant Podcast? Because it's not out yet. So she was like very graciously responding to each of them. It's not my new album. It's coming out in January. You know. Um, so here you go. A little, a little preview of an album coming out in January. Here's Ellie Holcomb performing Wonderfully Made. It's two in the morning and I'm still awake in my Shake these lies, they keep running around in my head. What if I saw me the way that you see me? What if I believed it was true? What if I traded this shame and self hatred for a chance I believe in you?
This next one had all the sci-fi nerds in our office incredibly excited. Which there are a surprising amount. Like, especially especially in the design and code and development area, it's the nerd zone over there. I'm and sorry, but I think there's a certain team member that works with you, um, like rhymes with Marin Manbury, uh, that also is incredibly excited about the sci-fi genre. Yeah. I am not yeah. of such a leaning, Nor am I. yet was still intrigued by the huge blockbuster film that came out this year, and now had Oscar nominated performances in it, or a Golden Globe nominated performances in it. Doctor Strange, huge movie of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Yeah, yeah, the 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 MCU, as those nerds back in our development <laughs> apartment will correct you and say. But um, the, the the crazy thing about the movie for us, it's like the movie isn't even the most interesting thing about the Doctor Strange franchise. Yeah. The guy who they chose to direct it uh, is a guy named Scott Derrickson, who grew up in the church is is a christian you know he, he went to christian colleges let's clarify though he's not one of these grew up in the church and now he's successful outside the church and only has a, a nostalgic uh relationship with uh, faith he is currently a strong christian you know, yeah. I mean? you know, he's, you know, we talked to a lot of people who in Hollywood, you know, grew up in the church, let's say like a Pete Holmes or something like that. Yeah. And so like when we talk to them, it's like, we're going to talk about that and kind of the journey from there to where they are now. And that's still interesting and illuminating or whatever. But with Scott Derrickson, he's this massive director in Hollywood directing horror films as a strong, outspoken Christian. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he, before he did this movie, which ended up being one of the biggest movies of the year, Doctor Strange, he did hardcore horror movies like Hellraiser and like Sinister and really crazy stuff. So this was, when, when, when the movie came out and he's making the jump to mainstream, this was a real opportunity to talk to someone who has a perspective literally like no one else on the planet right now. Yeah. Uh, there's not many people that have taken the trajectory he's on. Uh, so we got to talk to him about... Uh, his philosophy going into this movie, you know, with his own faith. But, you know, he kind of talked about how it wasn't really an effort in Doctor Strange to appease Christians or even atheists who are skeptical, but he really wanted to focus on opening up a conversation about religion and spirituality among all kinds of audiences. In this age where, um, you know, the word Christian conjures up angry angry, vocal, closed-minded Christians and the word atheist conjures up uh, images of angry, closed-minded uh, atheists, you know, and I, I just, and, you know, these all of these terms just become um, fighting words. I, I really like the idea that, that the comics and the movie, therefore, could just be a third thing where we're talking about magic and we're talking about mysticism and we're talking about possibilities and other realities, you know, in places where... Um, where we all know, um, you know, ideas, religious ideas and scientific ideas overlap, even though we're not really playing with that either in this movie. We're not explaining magic scientifically. Magic is magic. Um, but I can't help but view the world um, mystically. 
you know, it's how I see it. I, I'm not a I'm not a strict materialist. I think there's more, much more to the world than what we see with our five senses. And so, you know, I'm a good choice for this material because because I I, I feel the world that way. All right, we're down to the we're down to the end. Uh, this is the final highlight of the year, and then we'll wrap it up after this. But one of the most uh, exciting music performances we had this year was when Crowder, David Crowder, came through the studio. You know, again, not totally sure what to expect when some of the artists show up. Um, you know, is it just gonna be him and a and a banjo? Uh, nope, not with David Crowder. He rolls twenty eight deep, and <laughs> yeah. they came in with djembes and uh, harps and like. I mean, his, it, it was pretty much his full band. I mean, it literally filled our room. They they were like shoulder to shoulder. <laughs> And uh, rubbing elbows, literally making this swampy grass, you know, music that uh, just, it was electrifying. It was such a fun day, such a fun experience to, to be that close to such a, you know, a presence. Um, he has a new album out this year called American Prodigal. And it's, um, you know, when we talk to him, he, he talks about the fact that he finally feels like he figured out his voice. I mean, he's been doing this. 15 years and this is the album where he feels like he finally figured out who he is as an artist and that's it's that swamp it's that it's that it's that i can't i can't put my finger on it kind of blues undertone rock and folk kind of thing and uh, he literally found a new voice with this album Uh, here is david crowder performing my victory from our september 23rd episode Meant to kill is my bed. 
of God and takes away our sin and takes away our sin the holy lamb of God makes us alive again makes us alive again behold the lamb of God who takes All right, Jesse, we did it. Another year. Another year. No, in the in the books. I mean, it's an audio podcast. I've been somebody transcribing trying, all of these uh, and publishing them. I have like seven telephone books worth of transcriptions right now. You're telling me we're not releasing this in book form? I've wasted a tremendous amount of time. No, but yeah, this was, uh, this was like you said, our, I feel like... And you and I can say this. This was our best year yet on the podcast. You know, we had incredible guests, a lot of fun conversations. Also, this is the opportunity. I want to thank people who uh, they took what we did two years ago with like our our Nickelback challenge, and we we made it interactive this year. I had so much fun doing the locked in the cage earlier this summer, where we had people come see us. Some of our listeners come see us, interact with us on Facebook Live. Uh, you know, it, it was just we got to do the top fifty a, a new spinoff podcast that we got a lot of great feedback from but really it's all because of listeners and it's all because they're engaged and they take time to download us and hear us joke around for an hour and a half every week it, it, the, the way this show has evolved and the relationship that we now have with with so many listeners it's it's one of the highlights of my week it's one of my favorite things that we get to do and I just want to say thanks to all of you who listen um, especially those of you who listen every week and, and engage us on Twitter and whatever it means a lot to us um, we have a blast interacting with you guys and, and just knowing that you're out there is, is fun. Um, it, this show started from humble beginnings 11 and a half years ago. And, and now um, it's awesome to see we're actually this coming uh, year, we're moving into a new studio. Um, we're gonna be doing a lot more video stuff uh, around the podcast and and also in addition to the podcast. And we are going to be launching a podcast network in 2017 of other shows, things that span uh, part uh, a wider spectrum of what relevant covers. And so so, um, you know, whether it be, you know, hypothetically sports or, you know, theology or culture or whatever it is, more of what you like about relevant, we're going to be making uh, audio uh, podcast programming 
um, that hopefully you'll enjoy. So we were, we've had a lot of fun doing the show and we continue to have a blast doing the show. And, um, you know, the next year is going to be the best year. That's how we always kind of think about it. But the momentum, the growth, um, it means a lot. It's not just numbers. We know it's real people out there and, yeah. um, and we appreciate it. We appreciate all the sponsors who, who support the show and make it possible um, for us to invest the time and have a team and have a studio. And uh, we appreciate you guys who support our sponsors. We appreciate you guys supporting the guests. Um, it's a really cool relationship um, and we have a blast doing it. So thanks a lot, everybody. Yeah, this, this, this was a fun year, but like you were saying, Karen, the, the, the best is yet to come. As they say, I still have a lot of more phone book size, uh, books to transcribe. <laughs> you have some nature. empty binders. I'm dreading that portion, but uh, I'm looking forward to recording. That. Well, I think that's how you get it into the, uh, the, the library of Congress is that you have to submit it in binder form. So yeah, they haven't been returning my calls. So I've got a, I've got a feeling in the pit of my stomach that this has all been a huge waste of time, but I'm going to keep calling my congressman. Hopefully, uh, you know, I'm going straight to Trump on this one. <laughs> well, you can just he tweet him. a little excess. Yeah, just tweet him. Yeah. All right. Well, hey, and uh, Chandler, it's been fun. You've done. A, you didn't wreck the show over the last nine months, man. Chandler, who, you've who done a great thought? job, dude. Yeah, I, we, we, you, you deserve a, a lot of recognition for that, man. We've, we've had. It's always smooth. It's always smooth with you. What's man. the trophy? You know, you got the MVP on a, on a ba- high school basketball team. You got the MVP. You got like best defense. You got hustle award, maybe, and then you have the mm-hmm. coaches award. The, yeah, the, yeah. the guy who shows up and tries. He's best. He's not the best player, but he's always there, <laughs> and, he, and the coach wants to recognize him. Chandler you, cleans up towels and stuff Chandler, like you that. Win this you this know? year's coaches award, yes. buddy. I didn't know, man. You started, <laughs> but you started back in March, and you were just helping us on a transition after Jeremiah bailed on us. Yeah, and um, you were like, "Yeah, I can do a few weeks, sure." And then uh, a few weeks turned into a couple Look months. At you and, now. Yeah. and uh, you're doing a great I've job. Learned, and, and learned a lot. I appreciate I, the opportunity. I, I frankly didn't know what it'd be like working with my brother, but I'm having a good time. Yeah. So, all right, there you go. Thanks. 2016. I'm going to remember racial injustice, Trump, yep. and working with my brother. Yep. <laughs> I remember all these phone books. I had to build a, 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 a big shed out back. The shed alone cost me a bunch of money. This, I wish you had told me the transcriptions weren't necessary because these things go for like two hours and and we talk really fast. So, oh boy, oh boy. Oh it's man. a fire hazard is what it is. It's a tinderbox waiting to go off out there. Um, okay, if you've heard any of these best of episodes, you know what's about to happen. Um, one of our favorite things to do is at the end of every episode, there's this little outtake of Jesse Carey from the show, something he actually said. Um, and we splice them all together without context and without filter. Um, to the, way, the way God intended <laughs> So on that note, we'll wrap it and then just sit back and relax for the next two minutes. Uh, I'm Cameron Strang. I'm Chandler Strang. I'm Jesse Carey. For Eddie Koffoltz, uh, Chelsea Steele, Rebecca Joe Flores, Aaron Hanbury, uh, Shauna Nequist, uh, Adam Smith, and Joy Egrich-Reed, thank you for listening, everybody. It's been an awesome 2016. We'll see you next year. Yeah, I don't know what you be saying, girl, girl. When you be trying to talk to me, I filter out the negative. Yeah, that's my new philosophy. Yeah, we got us, we got art. I got goddess from the start. Can't nobody touch my vision, man. I feel like Tony Stark. When I act, popping out, popping out, yeah, yeah. I'm popping out, popping out, yeah. I'm popping out, popping out, yeah. I'm popping Thanks for listening to the Relevant Podcast. Connect with us on Twitter at Relevant Podcast and get bonus material from this episode and more at the podcast section on relevantmagazine.com. And don't forget to check the magazine out. It's available on newsstands and at the iTunes App Store 
or you can subscribe online at relevantmagazine.com slash subscribe. Popping out on you like here I am to them lost boys, I'm like Peter Pan. OG, they like heat of man, cause I'm classic like a Caesar fam. This real life, no makeup. When I write it down, you better know it. Caddy riding that new school and that school zone so ever slowly. This that new ocean away to swim. All in the room like an elephant. Magazine that up irrelevant. Gossip and rumors irrelevant. Stay away from those who telling it. I write down what I feel when I'm feeling it. Capital records, the label we dealing with. Do you realize what you're dealing with? If you're all up and your feelings quick. You've been bought with a price, so you innocent. You're the son and daughters of the risen king. That's in the win on the winning team. This for them days we ain't having things. There's an important guy that's got business stuff going on in this theater. Hey, you want to turn up the heat on something? Play some sax. I, I can't tell you how many times I've accidentally ingested a gold ring. I can imprison a person, put them on a drone, and fly them to my eagle air. All I need to be is 35 yards offshore. Just shut your mouth and eat the ice cream. My place in this world. At this point, I can't see Joy's dad, but I can feel the regret that he has. The car is perfect. They saw my sign spinning skills and were like, dude, that, that guy can do anything. Hire him immediately. Hey, look over there. Just uploaded some new pics onto MySpace and freshened up the top eight. So check it out. Anyway, I forgot the story I was telling. Jesse from Virginia Beach. Shame on you. Shame. Why is that baby roaming the street of the neighborhood of a known murderer? I get off my back. You're listening to Tube Talk, where we talk about tubes and the things that tubes can do for you. The more layers you pull back, the more it stinks. <laughs> skillet. It was Skillet. They play Skillet. He's like, why did he include three winking emojis with the question, you code? Hey, listen, uh, I don't know how to tell you this. Uh, we, uh, the house is haunted by ghost raccoons. Congratulations, everyone. You've really done something. Don't visit Shauna's attic. Live in Shauna's attic. I need a man killed, and I need him killed with a dagger from space. No questions, George. My name is Blackout. (laughs) That is either uh, uh, some sort of animal dropping, or that's some really old butter. I gotta taste this thing. What's this desk made out of paper mache? And then I drop it. Look, look, I'm sitting in a backwards chair. There's a Starbucks at my feet, which I will be periodically sipping from. How is this a sermon? It's not. It's it's a Bible. It's a Bible conversation, dude. Because they're cousins that don't know each other, but they are perfect for each other, but they're strangers. It's a they're perfect strangers. Someone has this crazy manatee breeding scheme, and they don't even know how to tell the genders of these beasts. Big floss in the federal government have been feeding us nothing but a pack of lies for the last 35 years. Check this out, guys. Made another sweet mouse pad. Oh, this is terrible. These croutons are awful. Yeah, they, they call it they call it the bottom ship because it looks like looks like two blunt butt cheeks. <laughs> I got bad news, the sausage is all gone because I hate that. Uh call me. I'm up to my eyes in goggles. The biggest celebrity in town right now is an actual lobster, so it was a, kind of a big deal. Billboard reports that Nick Jonas, comma, who has three front teeth, comma, has the number one album in the country. 
Hey, I'll say this. One time I put a laser into a microscope and it was sweet. All I saw was red for two days. What percentage of hot tub owners are, are deviants? You know, it'd be a great icebreaker. I don't know how much they're charging for this thing, but if you get your hands on Hezekiah's toilet. Yeah, the, the, the dome lights come on. Dome light check, dome light check. So what do you say you don't want to pay 100 grand to get chickenfightbet.com back? Cameron, mine said I didn't have any bristles left. I'm just rubbing my teeth with plastic at this point. Here's me just, just, just blowing weird, like... <laughs> Post-truth is a great nickname. You know, the irony of a line-sitting convention is no one ever gets in. They're all just waiting. Please, I'll do anything, officer. Please, please, any restitution. Just tell me. Turn it down. Turn it down. Ow! For the month of December, I will be camping amongst the inflatables in the yard to protect them. In the mascot, they're like, what do you want it to be? Uh, I don't know. A guy with a huge baseball head. I've been catfished so many times that I feel like the only way I can prevent it at this point is to start, you know, boning up on the methods of some of these catfishers. So I watch a lot of that. You're telling me we're not releasing this in book form? I've wasted a tremendous amount of time.